Tim in a very precarious position, and Jonah changes his mind and moves toward Nineveh. He preaches the gospel to them. They repent. And when they repent, Jonah is furious because he hated the people that God loved. So I want you this morning to think about maybe a group or maybe an individual that you struggle with. You struggle with them because of their sinfulness, uh, their sin may be deplorable, but one of the things we realize through scripture is that they are not deplorable, that they are God's creation. From the book of Jonah, there are three statements or three questions that I want to ask this morning. You can work on your outline there in the handout that you received. The first is, what do you believe about God? Specifically, what I mean by that question is, what do you think about people who could care less what God thinks? Are you apathetic toward them? Are you confrontive with them? People who do things that you know are deplorable to God. Growing up, I grew up in a, in a small church, and their attitude, I think, I think probably out of ignorance more than anything else, and I don't mean that as an insulting word, I mean just out of a lack of information, they at least felt complacent toward people who were far from God. Some felt even antagonistic toward people who are far from God. And we, we loved seeing people receive Jesus, but the people who received Jesus had to make a big step to get to that church. They had to move past a lot of things. So I'm going to read the, the fourth chapter, the first three verses of the fourth chapter of Jonah, and notice how God had sent him. But Jonah was greatly displeased. This is when the people repented and, and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Listen how ludicrous this sounds. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? He hated those people so much that he was mad at God for being gracious and compassionate. You know, that is just a demonstration to me of how ignorant we are about our own sinfulness. So notice on the outline and fill in the blank there, God loves all people and has made provision for their salvation doesn't mean that all people will be saved, but God wants all people to be saved. The scripture is pretty clear about that. I referred before to the axe murderer. I think it was probably in the 90s. This woman was high on drugs in Texas. She and a man went into a house and killed several people with an axe. It was a gory, horrendous, horrendous thing. While she was in prison, she received Christ and sincerely 
her life changed. She was on death row, and she said, I deserve to die. I know what I've done is a horrible thing, and I deserve to die. I've often wondered who talked to her about Jesus. Here she is, deplorable, horrible thing that she did, but somebody talked to her about the Lord. Some of you remember the name Jim, Jim Baker from a number of years ago, a huge scandal over money and sexuality and so forth. And the first year that he was in prison, Billy Graham and his wife went to see Jim Baker in prison. When I read that, I thought, oh man, what a statement. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's God's desire. So notice the statement on your outline, before I exclude someone, may I always remember how God included me. Now some of you, I know you've been nice all your lives, but not me. And every time I feel like getting judgmental, I just look at my own life and am reminded of God's grace. So the first thing I want you to think about what you believe about God is that God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. He wants all people to come to know him, even the people that you might struggle with in your own life. Secondly, what is God's assignment for us? Simply said, it is that he asks us to do what he asked Jonah to do. Go to people who are deplorable to us, build a relationship with them in the hope that they might receive Jesus. Fill in the blank here. Whatever God wants you to be, I can guarantee what he wants you to do. One thing is very clear from Scripture. Take care of your family first. If you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel, the Bible says. And secondly, he wants us to move toward people who do not know him. I mentioned before a pastor that I had <clears throat> when I was in high school, and I wasn't living for the Lord at all, but I watched this man his name was uh, Doyle Collins. Southern Baptist preacher, very narrow-minded in some ways. But uh, I watched him wander the streets at night. On Saturday night, he'd be wandering up and down Main Street in our little town, helping people who were drunk, helping, helping them to get home, praying for people. I watched him come into the store where I worked and he talked to my boss a lot. My boss ridiculed him. Every time he'd come in, he'd say, oh, I suppose you're going to want me to be born again. But uh, Doyle was gracious to him, talked to him a lot. The most outstanding incident I remember about Doyle Collins was he lived across the street from a, a young woman I knew as a, as a high school girl. She was brought up without a mother, and her brothers and dad sexually abused her all of her life. So she was very promiscuous and, and she was drop dead gorgeous. And Doyle Collins tried to talk to her on several occasions and she hated him. One night when they were having a party at her house she was drunk out of her mind and called him on the phone and said all kinds of lewd things to her, to him. 
cussed him. And uh, obviously not a, not a good person, but he was tenacious. Little town of 1,800 people. We had a church of over 500. He won a lot of people to Jesus. You know, I don't know if you feel like you leave it up to someone else. Just be honest with yourself right now. Do you leave it up to someone else to talk to people about Jesus? Most people do. Uh, with me, it's easy to talk to people in groups. Thousands of people have come to know Christ. Conclusion of messages that I've spoken. But like you, it's challenging for me to talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. When I talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, and I do, I have to swallow hard, breathe deep, and just go for it. And the way that I go for it is by building a relationship with someone before I talk to them about Jesus, which I'll talk about in a minute. Here's the command of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. In other words, go. Let me talk about that a little bit differently this morning. Go about your life, and as you go about your life, be an influence for Jesus. Don't be afraid to open your mouth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In other words, we're to go, but we're also to pray. Maybe you're gutless at this point, but you can at least pray for others to be able to go and talk to people about Jesus. So secondly, pray. Do not say, four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Christianity is declining in America. All the numbers show that. And the only way that's going to change is if we pray and we go. We talk to people about Jesus. Somebody talk to you. And then notice the phrase, don't put it off. Don't run like Jonah did. And again, think of someone in your life that may be deplorable to you that may be far from God and you wonder how they could ever receive Jesus. Somebody can talk to them about Jesus. Why not you? People who were nothing like Jesus wanted to be with Jesus. I love that phrase. People that were the farthest from God were the ones that wanted to hang around Jesus and he wanted to hang around them. The religious people, he kind of avoided, chewed them out all the time. He talked to the sinners. Thirdly, what is our response? Another lesson from Jonah is we find ourselves trying to avoid the very people God is pursuing. Jonah hated the people that God loved. I don't know if any of you remember this or not, but I've talked about the naughty lady before. When Ginger and I first moved here, we lived in a little house on uh, Howard Avenue. And probably a year into it, this woman moved in next door. She had a little boy who was probably, I suppose, six or seven years old. She was single. Uh, an attractive woman. But we noticed uh, the longer she lived there, there was a different car out in front of her house every Saturday night. Sometimes a motorcycle. So she was obviously having guys come and stay overnight with her different guys almost every week. Well, this man uh, that lived across the street 
Uh, he was in his 80s, I know. He got drunk one day and decided he was going to go get some of that action. <laughs> and he wandered across the street. And she called us. And we we kind of made friends with her by this point. We, she called us and she asked if we would help him back home. So we had to we had to carry him back across the street. <laughs> so the lesson I learned from that is any evangelistic opportunities that were to be found with her were going to be with Ginger, not me. <laughs> and uh, Ginger actually did talk to her quite a bit. One of the least effective things that we can do is make house calls. How many of you love having Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons come up and knock on your door? I mean, you just want to, you know, when we first moved here, this, I, I guess it was a, I don't know if it was a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness, but he, as I was getting out of the car at home after coming home from church, he had a Bible in his hand and he kind of held it out to me and, and I said, I have a Bible and I go to church. I believe in Jesus and walked away. I mean, I was too rude, but it just irritates you, doesn't it? When somebody that you don't have a relationship with tries to talk to you about something as important as that. Hanging out with friends, making friends and hanging out with them is the most effective thing that you can do. Jesus proved that. In the 1970s, there was a book published called uh, Lifestyle Evangelism. It's the first time I heard that expression it was written by a seminary president and the idea is that you're just you're around people all the time most of us are around people who don't know Jesus all the time the question is will we blend in to such a degree that we don't ever talk about Jesus or talk to them about Jesus or will we will we speak up when I was working in a grocery store in college there were several high school and college students that I that I worked with and I would just build a relationship, build a friendship and as we were stocking shelves or whatever I'd start talking and everybody there knew that Ginger and I were followers of Christ and a number of years later I went back to Beaverton Foursquare Church when Ron Mel was there and would preach and almost every time I'd preach somebody would come up and say I remember you from Hank, do you remember me? And I didn't remember their face because it had been several years, but they'd tell me who they were. What a rewarding thing. To know that some, at the time, I didn't think those conversations were that impactful. But Jesus was using them. So fill in the blank there. Build a relationship. Your conversations can make a difference. Natural, authentic conversations. Secondly, Pray. Most of you probably remember the triangle that I talk about all the time. That whenever you're in relationship with a person, I have a relationship with you. While I'm talking to you, I'm talking to the Lord. And while I'm talking to the Lord and talking to you, he's talking to you. He's at work. He prepares people for the conversations that you might have with them. And then be patient. Wait for the opportune time. Don't be rude. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Be ready for those conversations. Look for an opportunity. So I want to conclude with 
three questions. The first is who. And I want to challenge you to pray and write a name in that blank, who. Who is in your life right now that doesn't know the Lord? That you might build a friendship with, build a relationship with, and then just seek opportunities to get little statements in being influenced for Jesus. Maybe invite them to church or invite them to a Bible study. Invite them to sit down at a table for a conversation. The second question is how? How will you communicate with them? It's a pretty good idea to prepare ahead of time. And the most effective way is for you to tell your story in three minutes or so. Just a brief story. I was brought up in a Christian home and feared God all my life. I was afraid that Jesus Christ was going to come back and not take me with him. I was terrified of God. I thought he was out to get me. I was brought up in a Christian home, but I walked away from him for 10 years. Ignored him. But one morning I woke up, and the best way I know how to describe it was that God was in the room. And I knelt down on my knees and told him I'd do anything he asked me to do, go any place he asked me to do it, go if he'd just save me and forgive me. I had a picture of a naked woman on the wall. And God invaded my experience. Then I understood what grace and love were all about. That's my story in a couple of minutes. Thirdly, when? When will you talk to that person? Don't jump on it. Watch, wait, pray for the opportune time. Paul said, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Gracious, kindness with respect. Lord, this morning, I, I know that most of us... <clears throat> want to be an influence for you but somehow we we don't find the courage or don't think through how to prepare for a conversation but Lord I pray that you'd put a name, a face in every one of our minds today a person that we could begin to pray for prepare for look for the opportunity that someday we might be an influence to them. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning who has not yet offered their life to you, acknowledged their need for you, their need for forgiveness. Would you begin to stir their heart even right now, Lord? I want to ask while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if there's anyone here this morning, there's something stirring inside of you where you want to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I want to give my life to you. And while everybody else is not looking around, I'm looking around, and so maybe you just lift up your hand and look up at me, and your hand would be saying, today I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. Today, today I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. I won't embarrass you, I promise. I just want to let our eyes meet and be acknowledged with you that you're receiving Jesus today. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We love you.
give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.